Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Thursday, January the 21st of 2021. And I tell you what a day it was yesterday, full of many emotions and and just meditated thoughts of the times that we are living. We prayed you had a chance to hear yesterday's podcast. The presence of the Lord was there, and if you haven't, I invite you to 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 listen to it as the Lord uh, spoke to us. What a delight to be here with my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. As always, it is a pleasure and an honor to be able to come to you and to study the Word of God in such a time like this. And we welcome all our listeners, wherever you are tuning in from. Thank you for spending this precious time together, fellowshipping, discussing, Uh, studying the Word of God. What is God saying? And God is faithful. As he was faithful with the people of Egypt, excuse me, with the people of Israel in the wilderness, he provided fresh manna for them every single day. And and I believe the Lord, in in, in some way we can learn, it's what the Lord has done, I believe, with these podcasts. He's given us something fresh, and he's continually given it to us by his grace and by his mercy. So we are happy to be able to sit at the table and be able to listen to what God wants to say to us today. We want to give all the time we can to the Word of God today. So I'll be giving it to Brother Marty for you to share what God has placed in your heart as we discuss, as we study the Word of God together. Amen. Well, welcome to the uh, day one of the new paradigm. Uh, We've entered into this nation, a new paradigm, a new reality, but really it's a global prophetic time. We believe we've crossed over into at least the beginning of sorrows, but I think we're past that already. We're we're closing in on on what I believe is going to be the tribulation period. And uh, really, in many ways, it's, 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 it's beginning. Whether you can discern it or not, you will in the coming days. It's, it's going to be so obvious. And it really is obvious to those of you who we know have seek the Lord and and you sense it in your spirit. You may not be able to give, you know, scripture and verse for everything, but you've grown tremendously and will continue to grow in the things of the Lord. That is our endeavor here with these podcasts, which are growing every day. And we continue to encourage you to, to uh, force multiply, as they say, <laughs> if they're of any value to you. That you would continue to encourage uh, those around you to listen, and as well as them to send them out. We're entering into a time when the church is going to really go further underground. They're coming uh, with their long knives, so to speak, after those that that hold forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we've all been lumped into one giant camp, and and because of the excesses of the, of the neo-charismatic Pentecostal elite across this land. It has lumped anyone who identifies himself with Christian uh, thought and ideology, as they would like to label it, um, as an enemy of the state. And so we encourage you to continue to understand that, to reflect on that, and to respond accordingly. It's not going to be like it was before. And I know this is only the first day of a whole new power shift, but you need to buckle your seatbelts and understand where it is that we're headed and how we got here. If we don't know how we got here, then we won't understand what it is we're to do going forward. And so we're not, uh, you know, really trying to uh, 
<laughs> to reach masses of compromised people. We're actually looking for the serious uh, pursuers of God. And we know if, <laughs> if you weren't one of those, you wouldn't be hanging around with that. Uh, not that we're any better than anyone else. But it's quite the opposite, at least in my case. Uh, you know, I need to be constantly before the Lord. I need to be in prayer every single day. It is what keeps me. It is what strengthens me. And it is why we encourage all of you uh, to do the same in your own way, uh, you know, pursuing God. So as we go forward, we're going to continue to bear down and, and dig deep. And uh, it is not our intent to criticize, to tear down or to destroy anybody but we must speak what we see in the word. And that is what we've been endeavoring to do. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy to start somewhere else today. Uh, and we'll make our way back here. We're going to read this one scripture in, in the Gospel of John. Could you turn over there, Brother Jeremy? In the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And then we're actually going to be starting out of the book of Lamentations, chapter 2. So we'll go over there to the Gospel of John and just read this scripture here. Let me see if I can... Uh, Chapter 3, and uh, would you read verse 19 through 21 as we begin our study? We welcome you all. We're so glad you're with us, and we pray you'll be blessed today as we begin our study today. John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. In the name of Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, we pray, and bless thy people. Amen. Amen. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Praise you, Lord. And, and now can we go back over to uh, to uh, Lamentations chapter 2, and that's where we'll start. We're going to see if we can make our way back to uh, John chapter 3. If we don't do it today, we'll pick it up tomorrow, if that is what the Lord allows us to do. But uh, could you read to us now chapter 2, verse 13 and 14? What thing shall I take to witness for thee? What thing shall I liken to thee, O daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I equal to thee, that I may comfort thee, O virgin daughter of Zion? For thy breach is great like the sea. Who can heal thee? Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquity. To turn away thy captivity but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. That's incredible. They have seen for you false burdens and causes of banishment. And basically he's laying forth the case there saying this is, this is, the, uh, <laughs> this is the indictment, right? This is the document. These are causes, multiple causes. And, and what's really interesting here in verse 14 is it, it's word-driven, false words. That each, uh, you know, uh, declaration by by the false prophets was laying down, uh, you know, further proof um, that that they weren't capable of of recognizing one the imminent and impending uh, 
you know, doom that was going to be really the judgment that was going to fall on them. And and they became the very cause of their banishment, their removal from the blessing, the removal from the land they had known, uh, and and ultimately being given over to to incredibly evil and and uh, ruthless taskmasters. Now I'm bringing this up because in many ways that is exactly what we've seen transpire throughout 2020, coming into 2021. If we take a, a, you know, pull back the camera lens, so to speak, and, and reflect as we're going to do today briefly, and really begin to examine how it is that the American church came to this position. One of the things, and we've looked at that multiple times, by the way, but we're going to look at it from, from some interesting perspectives here today as we continue to bear down on what Jeremiah was revealing. But one of the things that that is astounding to me and really is, is, is almost like a billboard across, you know, the landscape, uh, a sign that, that, that is, you know, well written on within, without, and behind, so to speak, is the absolute incredible thing that we are witnessing. You know, Brother Jeremy made a statement yesterday, and I mean witnessing within the economy of the church, right? One of the things that Brother Jeremy mentioned yesterday was that he had seen uh, some preachers on TV or wherever he got his, he saw them, uh, and mentioning how that they were telling the church, and these are high-level people now, these, these are the establishment types. They were saying to the people that they didn't, you know, that not to repent, not to reflect. And basically they doubled down, as we were speaking about, uh, in their false prophet prophecies that they had been giving all throughout the year, uh, even culminating with the election, and then even from after the election, and when Biden was declared the president on November the seventh by the by the world's media, they then even went further into their delusional pseudo spiritual declarations, you know, weaving webs of conspiracy theories and. And, uh, you know, the, this great, magnificent, you know, play, this five-level chess kind of multidimensional trip that was actually happening, that we were about to see the multiple arrests uh, of, of the power base in, in Washington, that the troops were going to rise up and on and on and on. And that the conclusion of it would be that, uh, you know, their, their political choice would remain in power. And then when that didn't come to fruition, even after the new administration took power yesterday, they still double down and tell you, well, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that we ain't seen it, you know, it ain't over yet. And I was sitting there because I actually went and looked up what Brother Jeremy talked about yesterday and I found it and I just couldn't believe it. You know, not that I couldn't believe it. I was just, just I was actually yelling at the TV. You know, and and uh, I was so angry watching these knuckleheads who now are, it's so incredible what they're doing. They're now, you know, repackaging themselves, choosing their words carefully, trying to uh, legitimize where they're at, completely excising from the realm of their little island that they live on, any boat of their false prophecies that had been attached to their dock, right? They're cutting it loose and then restating it. And and what's amazing to me, because I saw this on YouTube, 
I looked to see how many people had, had watched this thing. 818,000 people mm. had watched <laughs> I was wow. like, oh, yeah, okay. So it made me really think about what we're, what what Jeremiah was saying here in verse 13. Because he said, look, what thing shall I take to witness for you? He's basically saying up underneath this this concluding judgment, because that's exactly what happened to them, right? We started off yesterday talking about how the capital city lay solitary, Lamentations 1.1, the parallels, the prophetic parallels, and what we can learn and, and, and glean from that. But when he gets to chapter 2, verse 13, he, he has just cried. You know, verse 11, he said, my, my eyes do fail with tears, so forth and so on. You know, he's pouring out his soul. He was, he was revealing to us exactly what the Spirit of God feels moving through his prophet. And he turned his attention to the younger generation and, and lamented them and, and, and revealed to, to them, you know, th- this, is, this is their plight now. And that it had come to this position when they turned to their elders and their parents, and they're going to say, where's the corn and the wine? Where's the word and the spirit? What has happened? Where's the blessing? And we talked about how we're going to have to give an account to this younger generation as to why what has happened in this country has happened under the watch of a ruling, uh, greedy uh, establishment in this nation, the Laodicean clan, if you will. Those who claim to be rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, who exist in their own little atmosphere, you know, uh, and, and, and the door is shut and Jesus was on the outside knocking, trying to get in. I mean, we, if we pull the lens back, brothers, and we really look at, at how this came to fruition as we closed out 2019 into 2020, and now here we are in 2021 with a radically and completely different world. And the benefits and the blessings and and all the prestige and all that stuff that brought them to the ultimate expression of what they said they wanted. Because you got to remember there, you have to look back over church history and understand how this evolved, how this happened, and, and the kind of doctrines that began to emerge. But, you know, I'll just, I'll just zone in on one, the kingdom theology doctrine. The absolute disregard for the second coming of the Lord and the dilute, the self-deluted aggrandizement and ego-driven philosophy that began to preach in the churches that the people uh, uh, needed to take dominion over the world. And that once we got this world under control, that then Jesus would come back. Whether you understand it or not, that is the predominant philosophy driving the compromised church, even now that they would take over all the major facilities of the world, whether it be economic or educational or legislative, political power, whatever, man. They, they, just, they just poured that, that false ideology upon generations. And then, so what ended up happening, if you work your way through the 80s and the 90s, and then if you remember back then, you guys are too young, you were probably little at the time, but... The, the the conservative movement merged itself with the church. It emerged really out of out of Jerry Falwell. I don't know if you remember. Uh, his son just got in trouble recently, and but but Jerry Falwell started what was called the Moral Majority. What was driving these things was this kind of Kingdom Now mentality, 
and the power plays that took place amongst the elite in the church. You had what we call the neo-charismatic Pentecostal movement, what it's evolved into with the swaggerts and the bakers and the crouches and all that kind of stuff in the late 80s into the 90s. It was a power play. Then you had the denominational world that basically uh, you know, morphed itself into a power base when Jerry Falwell came forward and started what we call the moral majority. And the two began to move together. Then you had the collapse of of the two biggest stars in the Pentecostal church, Jim Baker and his craziness over there with the with the PTL club and then uh out of Baton Rouge, the uh you know, the Jimmy Swagger ministries and the problems that they had in the late eighties. It, it, it was as if Pentecostalism had reached its apex only to come crashing down, and it shook the world. Out of the vacuum that was left by that emerged power brokers that were greedy for the money and greedy for the prestige and the crowds that were being drawn uh, by these Pentecostal movements, and they kind of morphed into each other. And suddenly we began to have a condition within the American church, which drives the narrative across the globe as it, as it, as it began to beam its messages via satellite and ultimately, you know, morphing into a digital platform, which we now see today, coupled with cable and satellite and the Internet. All of that converged. So you've got the moral majority. You've got this uh, incredible expansion of Christian media around the world. And and what began to happen was an American uh, false Christianity began to be uh, perpetrated into the poor nations of the world, whether it's South and Central America, Africa, uh, you know, go into the Asian uh, countries of the world. And so a, a <laughs> you know, a cup of of diluted water, muddy water was being fed to the masses and, and the powers grew. So you have this moral majority, and then you had this this charismatic, hyper-charismatic movement begin to come together. And out of that emerged charlatans and false prophets that began to preach a dominion theology, that we're, we're meant to take over the world. And, and, and then once we get it right, Jesus is going to come. Think of the outrageousness of that, <laughs> that God needs you, right, buddy? He needs you. Uh, because uh, he, he's, he's like this inept grandfather sitting up in his throne. He's been there for so long. You know, he, he, needs, he needs us to help him to get the world right. Are you kidding me? But that's what they were saying. And so what they began to realize is that they, they became a political power base across the landscape. And the seeds for what we saw on January 20th, 2021, were being sown then. Make no mistake about it. The, the 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 transfer of power that we've seen today, it's not like any other thing that we've seen in the history of our nation. This is a this was a move that was allowed to happen as a judgment on the American church. Now whether you can see that or not, that's what it is. So let me just keep going down memory lane here. So they emerged uh, out of that, and then you had people like Ralph Reed merging with the moral majority. I forget what his organization was called, but it was, again, it was a, it was supposedly a Christianized version of conservatism. And what they began to find out really quickly was that they had power. And so they began to get calls from congressmen and senators, and they began to be invited to the White House, and they began to, uh, 
suddenly there were councils on on uh, on religion and 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 you know at their cocktail parties and their you know their banquets and on and on and on and 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 it and it morphed in many ways and I'm fast forwarding now it morphed under under this whole mega movement if you don't understand what actually happened here the charismatic pentecostal movement uh bought into this whole philosophy uh that it could determine uh many things on multiple levels and i'll just focus in on one that we could literally take over power and implement with the very draconian things that we decry on the left, the same kind of philosophy. When when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, the one thing that Pilate was concerned about was Jesus's political movement and what his intentions were with his followers. And he asked him, are you a king? He didn't really care about what he preached. He just wanted to know, are you a threat to the Roman Empire? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Where the church went with those words that our master gave to where we ended up throughout the last four years is is an obvious falling away. Because rather than once we reach the MAGA movement, rather than preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, we began to preach a political ideology and we labeled it you know with the stamp of approval with enough you know you know jesus stamped on it that it deceived the masses masses by the way within the economy of the church that had been brought up over multiple decades apart from the true gospel of jesus christ it morphed into powerful economic uh you know industry it became influential in the halls of power and its leaders, like Brother Fernando was pointing out yesterday, he said, man, if you knew what was actually taking place behind closed doors, you would, <laughs> you'd be absolutely shocked what goes on behind the camera and, and, and what's actually happening. So we reached 2020 and really uh, that's why I was thinking about what Jeremiah said here. Because the church really, I mean, the spiritually adept and those precious brothers and sisters that are listening out there and, and many others, of course, we're not, you know, we're not being, we're not limiting it here to an exclusive club here. I mean, there are many across the landscape that are hearing from God, but what they do know and what they have sensed and what they understand by the word of God is that we have now entered into a judgment period. And it is not just a judgment period. It is, it is the judgment period. And 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 now there is nothing restraining what is about to take place. Already they've signed multiple exec. Let me finish this. Executive orders that are specifically designed to 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 increase the heat, if you will, uh, upon the landscape of the conservative, you know, Christian movement. Because there's things coming down the pike right now, which were signed last night, by the way. That are going, they're they're going to come to rest right on your doorstep, and decisions are going to have to be made in advance of that as to where you're going to stand. Are you going to compromise, or are you going to stand for Christ? Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. That's true. I mean, he didn't waste uh, no time, right? <laughs> uh, Biden, okay. that is. Um, I, I 
<clears throat> I've been thinking lately, uh, last, you know, last night and this morning, um, how much influence the evangelical apostate church had over this, over President Trump. And, and there, and there is some truth to that that President Trump began to surround himself around these people, the John Hagees of the world, the Paula White. I mean, you go down the list, and, and they, they began to speak to this man's life where he began to feel a sense of destiny spiritually yeah. for, for <laughs> Israel and the movements that he made. But the, the arrogance of America, like uh, of the American preachers, is, is, is as though as they felt that that Israel was dependent on what they did. That's a good point. Yes. Right? Yeah. So you see all these movements, the movement of the embassy to Jerusalem, um, all these treaties that were signed before, you know, his, his, his term ended and so forth and so on. And the believer, the listener has to understand this. I truly believe that a lot of the things that happened to President Trump was because he gave ear to these false prophets. Hmm. And they were, pushing, they were pushing an apocalyptical um, agenda. They, under, they understand the end times, but, it, but in, in the sense that they understand Jesus is coming, but they, they have an erroneous theology about his coming, and they try to uh, put their hand in it, almost like assisting God. That's where this dominion theology comes from, right? They're assisting yeah. God in his prophecies. Yes. Yeah. And in doing so, they influenced the president, I believe that, in doing certain things to where they felt good about it. Well, look, things are panning out. Look, Jerusalem is once again the eternal capital of Israel, all thanks to this president. It's our time now to establish our dominion theology and take control of the world, so to speak, until Jesus comes. That was the arrogance and the misinterpretation of end times that that ultimately doomed that administration. Yes. And and you know what, man, uh, brother, what, what we what they didn't realize, right? And what they didn't understand in their arrogance, enforcing these issues to come to the forefront. And of course, the Lord allowed all these things. All they did, think of what they did. You're you're rejoicing over the capital of Israel now becoming Jerusalem. But in your arrogance, you don't understand biblical prophecy. Because the movement Correct. of the capital of Jerusalem to Israel, I mean of, of yeah, of the capital city becoming Jerusalem, all you've done is trigger events that are going to lead mm -hmm. to the wicked one coming, the Antichrist. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It wasn't it wasn't time to throw your arms up in the air and celebrate and look at our comp again it's the arrogance right like we did right. this we influenced the president we we yes. spoke to him about him being a cyrus of sorts you know that yes. God, he was god's tool in his hand chosen, his hand. chosen one. We, we, he was chosen we did this mm -hmm. and it's like yeah you did you idiot but you also <laughs> set, set in motion prophetic events that would ultimately come after you yes incredible that's precisely correct brother. <laughs> that's, incredible, that's man. exactly right 
See, it was it yeah. was judgment. That's what that's what the Lord told Brother Jeremy. Read verse seventeen, would you? And then tell us what you're going to say. Of chapter two. Yeah. Okay. The Lord had done that which He had devised. He has fulfilled His word that He had commanded in the days of old. He had thrown down and had not pitied, and He had caused thy enemy to rejoice over thee. He had set up the horn of thine adversaries. You hear that phraseology there. He draws them to the days of old and says, this was prophesied. But your behavior, your abhorrent behavior has brought this to you. And he says, at the end of it is, listen to what he said there. He has set up the horn of your adversary. The mm -hmm. horn. That's no. the Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist. That's right. right? That's Incredible, what right. they did, brother. But you see, they were headed wow. there all along. This hey, is something, brother Marty. Read, read that again. Read that again, because this is, this is exactly what happened. Yeah. You know, they set themselves up for this. Yes. We set ourselves up for this that we're now facing with this incoming administration. They wasted no time. Right. In this, whole, in this whole setting up of his horn. Absolutely. And he hath caused thine enemy to rejoice over thee. And he hath set up the horn of thine adversaries. And that oh, horn is, uh -huh. for those of you who aren't familiar with that, is in Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. The little yeah. horn. It, it's the horn of the Antichrist. In their day, it was the spirit of Antichrist, which was represented by Nebuchadnezzar, which we've talked about many times before, and the Babylonian Empire. The same thing has happened. The unfolding of the arrogance of this church, this false compromised church, and its its ridiculous leadership at the ruling class elite level literally brought about their own doom and set in motion in time events because of their arrogance. That's incredible, man. That's right. <laughs> incredible. Wow. Wow. Go ahead, Brother Jeremy. What were you going to say? You know, and one of the things that I see lacking in these doctrines and these, uh, you know, like the, the dominion, the uh, kingdom now, what's lacking very clearly are two very distinct things. They lack the preaching of repentance, of this, you know, and we can deal with that later in verse 14, of discovering their iniquity, you know, and the preaching of the coming of the Lord. Those right. are the two blatant things that are missing there. And that's what we can call them false doctrines. They lack the repentance uh, or preaching repentance, you know, and, 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 and the coming of the Lord. And that's really what, well, that's what Jeremiah is telling these, pro these prophets. You're, you're vain. You're foolish. You know, right. they, they have not discovered their iniquity to turn away, you know. But and instead, you have put false burdens and causes of what of of um banishment the bible says right and and, yes. and, and in other words you have seduced them <laughs> right to other things and and in essence what they have done is trigger end time events to come now yes you know yeah how many be, times do you read in, how many right how many times do you read in the new testament where it says when Caiaphas would say something or, or when an event would happen and the, and the gospel writers would always say, uh, this they did not knowing, but they were actually fulfilling the scripture, right? Yes. 
Yes. When he yeah. when he said one man should die for the whole country, so he didn't even know what he was saying, but he was actually setting in motion the fulfillment of scripture. That's incredible, man. Because what we're actually mm. saying here is, and I, and I want to turn over there right now, over to Gospel of John chapter 2, so we can see something here that actually happened in the time that Christ walked on the first, you know, in his first advent, in his first appearance. John chapter 2, uh, there's an interesting phrase there, and I want to get, we'll see how this goes, but just being led of the Spirit here. John chapter 2, I want to point something out that I believe the Spirit of the Lord is revealing here. Uh, let's take a look at this in, uh, first of all, in, in in verse 13. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So the Jewish Passover was at hand. And, and as I was meditating on these things, as the Lord was speaking it to me, it, it, he was saying, he was recalling to mind, if you remember, that that everything that really set in motion and 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 the events that we've now seen over the last year in 2020, it all began uh, as the Passover was drawing near. Right, we were we were in March 19th was the actual I think official day of the lockdown, and we were just a few days away from from the Passover from Easter really as we call it, but we you know we celebrate Resurrection Day right, but That's it true. sets the That's prophetic true. tone. And and what 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 is the Passover, right? As we've been talking about, we have to remember the prophetic symbolism. The Jewish Passover at hand, Passover was approaching, and so what Passover really is is the intervention of God into human history, in order to deliver His people and to destroy Pharaoh and Egypt. Right? That was the first Passover. But in the end time, the, the, the Passover will repeat. It's the second Passover, Moses, Moses. Remember, he called Moses twice, representing the two Passovers that would take place. One, it, for natural Israel, and two, at the end of time, for his people made up of Jew and Gentile. They, too, will be rescued, only this time not from a pharaoh, but from, a, from the Antichrist and the whole world system that's now well underway and is emerging as we speak. It's well underway. And so what we see is that Jesus goes goes to Jerusalem. And where does he come? Verse 14. Can you read verse 14? Yes. He comes to and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. So what we see is that as Passover is drawing near, what I'm telling you is that these events have triggered that we are coming when this is all comes out in the washes they say when we reach the end of the time that we're living in it will be to see the coming of the lord that's what passover is about i'm not setting you any dates but i think we're we're just several years away from it we know from biblical prophecy that there are multiple years that yet need to unfold at least three and a half with the antichrist riding high on his global system put into power uh, by 10 kings, right? They give him his power. They rule with him for one year. So we know there's at least three and a half years to go. But we also know that there is a, a an undefined period of time, uh, the tribulation period. Some say that that's three and a half years because of Daniel's prophecies. But But really, you know, there's the beginning of the sorrows. There's the tribulation period. I think it's undefinable. I think there is a mid 
there's a three and a half year period that's easily revealed before that. And it's quite possible we're just about to enter into it. It's tribulation for the saints, but for the world, it appears to be some sort of prosperous event. So we won't get into that in depth. Other than to say this, we're several years away. So I'm not trying to tell you Jesus is coming tomorrow. That's a fallacy. He will come and he will catch up his church because the Bible says, right, the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and have survived will be caught up together with him in the air to meet the Lord in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. So we're not denying that event. But what we are telling you is the Bible is very clear that, that it is after a, an incredible level of persecution that comes against the saints the child of God, and we're headed into those troublous waters, and we need to be prepared for that. Now, this is where sacred cows and false doctrines check out, right, because it threatens them. But let me ask you, as we've asked you many times, do you think the brothers who are in prison right now in China uh, wonder if they're in the tribulation period, or, or the brothers in Africa that are being slaughtered by demonic forces for their faith? in Africa or the Middle East? Do you think that they feel they're in the tribulation? Or what about our brothers in India that, that are being persecuted by, by, by the godless over there and, and, and all their idols they worship simply because they, they worship one God and his only son, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God? Persecution is a reality. The, the, the thing that is going to be a, an incredibly rude awakening to the American church is that its, its nakedness has been exposed it's been uncovered, and what it what is really being seen right now is is the softness of the lack of spiritual calluses on the hands and the knees and the feet of the of the American church. It's lived deliciously. It's been pampered, and and then it it creates a, a, and embraces a theology that that creates within it a meditative process that makes it think it's the only church on the planet. It's an aspect of the church, but it's the Laodicean church. And a rude awakening has come to the shores of this country to the compromised evangelical community as they head forward in the days ahead. And they're going to realize that they have been hemmed in. They have been hedged in. And there is no escaping what's coming just ahead. And so what they're going to find out is that, is that judgment has come to them. And they were the reason that it came. <laughs> Anyway. And brother and brother Marty, I mean, the people were like, "Well, I've never heard of Dominion theology, really." The, the you know the the church leaders in America think like that. Absolutely, this is this is yes. their shadow religion. Yes, yeah. This is what they so. believe. This is how they stay in power. You get rid of America's enemies, then America remains in power. And they remain in power, right. and they remain rich. Yes, that's right, brother. Right. And that's okay, right there, right? So that's that's what the Lord was having me focus on today, off of lamentations, right? Is that is that when this began, and and it, it began at a Passover season, and and what did Jesus do in verse fourteen? Right, it says that he he found in the temple. Now, for the purposes of our reflection, right, the temple really represents, uh, you know, the establishment. 
You know, the attention of of the Lord came in advance of the Passover, which tells the story of the rescue of the house of God, of his children on the earth. That's what the Passover is about. The ultimate fulfillment will be the Lord taking his children out of the Antichrist global system and rescuing them. But, (laughs) But not after much tribulation, right? I mean, just study the Exodus. But the point is, is that Jesus goes. And and the first thing that he does with, you know, as the Passover is approaching, what we're telling you is our Passover is approaching. And we believe that 2020, the fact that the American experience of it at least began days before the symbolic Passover happened in April, it started in March. And what, what, what I think was happening by the Spirit of God is that he came to the temple. Now, the temple understand represents the epitome of of the establishment that's where he came and very symbolic uh it, you know prior to the celebration of the event right as as it was then so it is now the lord came to the seat of power of religious and political power amongst god's people where the real you know where the ruling religious elite which i continually harp on they were there now and they were well entrenched and they had made his father's house into a house of merchandise. And what does he do, right? What what was so egregious about this? You know, because that's what he found at the power base of religion. We're not talking about some little rabbi off in Capernaum somewhere in a in a dusty, you know, synagogue. We're talking about the the, the halls of power. You know, think Vatican, right? you know, with their marbled and granite floors and all that stuff, the opulence, right? That's what the temple looked like. And and, and it had just undergone a 46-year remodeling project under the Herodian dynasty, right? When Jesus confronts them in this story, they come and say, hey, man, it took 46 years to make the temple look this cool. Are you going to destroy it in three days? You know, that's, you know, for another day. But that's basically it. This place was opulent. And it was controlled by a ruling elite that did what it had to do by merging its power base into the Roman structure. You know, they, they, they were allowed to exist. How do you think that these high priests in the Sanhedrin, they had access to the Roman governor? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they, they brought Jesus to him. They, these were right. political animals. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I remember you guys no. remember brothers no, brother. la- last year last year in, in 2020 around the time of March when we began to do our podcast right and and the quarantine began it's around the same time the false prophets began to remember the the, the foolishness I, I command the, the the coronavirus to be gone and <laughs> and we were close remember we were close as you said to Passover and remember the statement that our former president did saying this was going to be over in a couple weeks by Passover. Remember remember he said that? That it would yes. be gone. It should be gone by Passover. Who influenced him to say that? Yes, you know, exactly. all these guys that were there, these, these false mm-hmm. preachers, preachers, false prophets, putting in his mind, oh, this is going to be gone by Passover. You watch. And that's probably what influenced him to say that. You know, why would he, why would he say it otherwise? You know, right. why would he choose that day? Passover mm-hmm. that it be gone, and instead, what happened that it got worse at that time. Remember, things yes. got worse where where the states began to say, "Hey, no, we're we're going to continue to keep them in quarantine," and it got worse. 
That's what happened last year in 2020. That's right. what I remember. I mean, they, they invited pastors to go play for him at the Oval Office. I think one from California, you know, so he wouldn't, so he wouldn't get impeached. Right. You know what I mean? What, I mean? You're talking about the highest office. Yes. In the world, and these preachers have access to it, and they're laying hands on our, on our, on on uh, you know, on the president, and all all to to push back the attack. Yes. To push back the attack of 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 the liberals or whatever the Democrats, so forth and so on. So you're right, and and they were saying, you know, why would they talk about you know Passover or resurrection, you know, uh, or Easter, right? Right. Why would they throw that out there that the virus would be gone by then? You know, and you, you brought up the point that we see the same thing happening in Christ's day with the political or the the religious leaders of his day. Right. Right. It's the same thing. They wanted. To maintain power, they spoke about it. I think in John 11, right? Yes. It's better for one. It's better for one man to die for the nation. I think they said, you know, because if not, Rome's going to come. If we can't take care of this insurrection with with, with Jesus Christ, then we're going to lose all our power. So they had connections to to uh, political political power. It's the same thing we're seeing uh, today. Amen. And an incredibly. Uh, and, and they were drunk with power. Now, this was something, you know, that when you study your biblical history, that you'll find that that uh, it was 400 years in the making. Very interesting. Because when you yeah. actually go back to the time of America, uh, it's been more more or less about a 400-plus year period, the same kind of scenario. You know, the actual nation is, is 240 years old, but there was settlers prior to that that had dedicated the continent to God. Back in the 1600s, they came. 1619 is what they call it today. I mean, somewhere around there, you know. So you, you go 400 years in the future uh, from the time that the, uh, you know, the implementation of, of the Hasmonean dynasty and, you know, all that stuff that you'll learn under the Maccabees and uh, when they came out of captivity and they, they built what they call Zerubbabel's temple, which Herod added to, all that stuff. When Jesus shows up, it's 400 years. And he comes... To clean, cleanse the temple. The pattern is repeating itself, which lets us know that the Passover in our time is at hand. And 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 we had to witness a confrontation of the ruling religious elite. It had to occur. It's 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 the wave crashing on the shore. It's the inevitable outcome. It's it's the uh, you know the the, the that I mean, just that it's 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 the full expression of of the seeds that were sown centuries before coming to fruition the corruption the the merchandising we got bankers in the house of god that's what jesus found right he found those that were selling oxen sheep and doves and then it says in verse 14 the changers of the money well how does that apply to well i mean just go to any big time ministry website and you've got you know how many multiple options to to buy their products and to prop up their their false uh you know prophecies and all that stuff. I mean, you can go to PayPal, American Express, Visa, Master, and we'll even take Diners Club if they still got it, you know. I mean they they <laughs> they take money from yeah. they take money from all different aspects. The same thing has happened, right? We've got money changers sitting at the highest levels of the ruling elite. And that's what Jesus went and exposed leading up to the days of Passover. And so what does he do? Uh 
in verse 15, which I think, if you can see it, uh, is everything that has happened since, including the pandemic, yeah. including the virus. He made a small scourge, uh, a scourge of small cords. And what did he do? He drove them all out of the temple. Isn't that what we saw happen, brothers and sisters? They yeah. shut down yeah. their churches. Right. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? You spoke. You you spoke about that, brother Marty, and I I just don't remember on which podcast last year, where you dealt with this specific the scourge of small cords. I still remember it. If we could find the title of it, we can uh, tell our listeners to go in and hear it. But you 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 spoke about this. I don't know if you remember, brother, last year in one of our podcasts about this very yeah. scourge of Jesus coming yeah. into the temple. We saw this. You know, yes. and and and, yes. I, and and I believe I think what you what you said is 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 correct. Verse fifteen is I believe is what took place in twenty twenty. I do too. In, in, I really do. You know, so I, I I agree with that statement, brother. I, I think yeah, it's clear. And, and, we we can see the parallels. Yes, and and he and 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 he sends a message by driving them out of the temple. He drove them out. And, and 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 then he he lets the sheep go, the oxen go. He pours out the money. This is what God thinks about their whole system, right? It's what the Lord of the house thinks about the system. These people are so demented. They are so delusional. They're actually, you know, bordering on psychosis, man. These people, they they they, they are really bad people. And we're trying to encourage those who are listening across the multiple platforms we're on now saying, listen, stay away from establishment religion. What is happening now by the Spirit of God is is he is assembling a people all across the world. But it, specifically in this country now, the church is going underground. What do you mean by that, Brother Marty? I'm telling you that the days uh, are not too far away where the kinds of churches that will emerge now uh, that are visible will be state-sanctioned churches. They will have uh, full authority given to them to represent the church, but they're not church, and including these false prophets. They're going to find a way to survive. That's what they want. But more than that, if the doors are open, it is only be by permission of the government. So the true church is going to have to go underground. It, it, it's not going to be definable. The most the, the the saddest thing that ever happened to Christianity was it became uh, organized and structured. It took away the vibrancy right. of, of the community itself, where nobody is a superstar, right? We turned it into this this Broadway production. This you know we made stars of our preachers and you know, and, and our singers, and they, I mean we turned it into a, a a house of merchandise, and it diminished. Uh, the, the the meaning of Christianity, which was take up your cross and follow me. They're selling indulgences. They made it easy for the people in the temple structure uh, where there's actually no effort. If you have the money, you give them the money, they give you the sacrifice, right? You send me your hundred, you'll, you'll get a thousand. You want God to pay your bills, you got to send me a thousand. I mean, you know, the whole system is corrupt. Mm-hmm. But see, what we're going this, to find this ourselves... This is a pattern, ahead, though, Brother Marty. It's a pattern of, like you said, you know, 400 years from from uh, Malachi to Matthew, right? 
and for right. 400 years from what they're now calling the establishing of our nation or the birth of our nation, you know, what do we have now? As it was in Jesus' day, we have a, a religious leadership well entrenched uh, in, in politics, the control of the nation. Um, also, um, think about this now. The church today literally had or has its own economical system, yeah. its own its wow. own currency. How? How do? Why do you right. say that? Because it it can't be taxed. Wow. Well, that, that, that they, 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 <laughs> I know. They they become so elaborate and they've uh, and understood economics so that in the essence they've created their own economic system. Yes, the government right. can't touch them. Right. Think right. about that for a moment, okay? Yeah. Now we're talking about state ran or government ran churches. They're gonna have to give account to everything they do to government. Now, you tell me that's not a judgment of God. Yeah, brother. Yeah, exactly. Right? Now you've touched their uh, idol right now, money. You said something right there, Pastor Jeremy. Their idol. Remember, I said earlier, they have their own shadow religion. Yes. That nobody knows. They all know what's really going on. They all know how to stay afloat. They all know what have to do. And when things get tough, they'll come together. They'll find a way. But you know, the pressure it, is on. It, you know, the pressure yeah, and, is yes, on. Yes, it is. Remember what we read yesterday, you know, their their princes are going to be like hearts in a pasture where they found they find no food in the pasture and their pursuers will catch up to them. They can't run anymore. That's right. That's right. And that that is why what is going to come down on them is is that they're going to have to uh you know, what do they call it? Fish or cut bait or whatever they call it like that. I mean, they're either going to to totally sell their soul in order to continue what they've become accustomed to or they will repent and and uh and serve the Lord. There is no in between for them, but Really, what's going to happen is they're going to do exactly what the establishment did in Jesus' day. They joined themselves to Rome. That's what they did. But they didn't realize that they were only several years away from their city being burned with fire and their whole structure being torn stone by stone, like Jesus said. Not one stone would be left upon another. See, this is the wrath of God that's coming for this very precise reason. And, and you guys have said it very well. I think what was most egregious is that uh, in the day of the Lord and in our day, that, that they didn't care for the house of the Lord. They used it as a pretense to enrich themselves. And, and, and their very excess served to be a narcotic that prevented them from feeling the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. So that even now, when we reach 2020, how many people did we see fall? The, the the head of the largest university in the country, Liberty University, him and his wife caught doing, you know, crazy things, man. And then pretending to, you know, pretending to be, you know, these holy people, right? And, and, and you know, getting drunk on yachts and all kinds of crazy stuff, man. These guys are insane. So that gets exposed. 
Then you got the, the most famous Hillsong creature in the country, Carl Lentz, over there in New York mm-hmm. City. Found out that he's been having an affair for multiple years with a beautiful wife and three beautiful children, right? But you can see it on him anyway, you know? And and then you've got uh, Joel Osteen, you know, the, <laughs> taking money from the COVID relief fund, multiple millions Incredible. of dollars. Yeah. As if the dude doesn't have an – I read an article the other day, he's worth over $100 exactly. million, dollars, but he's got to take taxpayers' money in order to prop up his ministry. This is corrupt, man, corruption at, at high levels. And then we go down the list, you know, John Gray caught multiple times having an affair so what's your point it all went by the wayside go rewind it to the 80s the preacher got caught and everything collapsed the the country was outraged oh my god but now eh no big deal don't matter you know you know give me give me six weeks you know and 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 then we'll emerge with a book or something we'll we'll continue on in our ministry well, they hire they hire these 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 worldly people. That, I don't know what what job description it is, but they are they are they hire experts on how to to put you out on the on, you know like on the Google and the search and how to minimize the damage that can be done to PR your people. image. What are they called? Uh, PR um, people. Yeah, yeah. PR Public people. Relations. Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They, and they specialize in 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 in, in keeping your image <laughs> and minimizing the the force, you know, trying to take you out of these Google searches. It's called damage control. Minimize. Yes, it is damage control. People, yeah. It is. So and, so let's, and, let's, you know you go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, and and you couple this with with what this new regime is bringing, right? A so-called peace. Right transition, right? What what yeah. Paul what Paul says when he says when they say peace and safety and that word peace, I was looking it up, means a a state of national tranquility. <laughs> That's right. what seems like it's gonna be taking place right now. Mm-hmm. But you that have ears and eyes to see, we're seeing a collective signs, especially within the church and what is taken. It's all connected. It's all connected. Uh, prophecy has been triggered. It's begun. There's no going yeah. back no more. There's no going back. Many Americans and Christians, conservatives, oh, we'll be back in 2024. There is no going back. We have triggered something, and it's just like you keep harping, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. It's just going to get worse, worse. And all of this, this pandemic has exposed what you said, the condition of the ministry as it was in the days of Jesus. Right? And yes. and you're right. Our ministers have become experts and have found a niche <laughs> on how to make money. That's what it's always been. That is their idol. Money. Money. Yeah. And so, uh, man, so many things to say, but yeah, amen. Money, money, and power, right? I mean, that's that's what's driving the whole thing, and it, you know, it's as old as <laughs> it's as old as history itself. But so Jesus, Jesus, when he when he ends up speaking to Nicodemus, you know, because Nicodemus, as we've talked about before, he comes to the Lord by night, 
Remember what the Lord told them. I want to show you something here very interesting first, but check this out in in verse 14 of chapter 2. And we'll, we'll make our way. We'll, we'll close here in a second, but we're going to go, go back to Lamentations. But look, look at what they did. Jesus found in the temple those that sold. So we have a system of economy now functioning, as Brother Fernando talked about, in the church house. But notice how it's broken up into oxen, sheep, and doves, right? And and mm-hmm. and so each one, if you do a study on this, you'll find, um, you know, it, it is very much what the modern ministry turned into. They create, you know, different slogans. Different ministries have different, you know, labels for it. You know, you're part of the Founders Club. You're part of the 700 Club, right? You're part of the this club. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is what they did here. They, they, you know, the oxen showed, you know, you were wealthy and you were re- – that's a big animal, right? So it's like, but here's right. mine, you know. Uh, then the sheep, right? But notice what Jesus does here in verse 16. He drives the sheep and the oxen out, but he goes to those that are selling doves. And and it's almost like an act of mercy to them because they were a subcategory because the dove was actually uh, the offering that was allowed by the poorest people. And and so Jesus goes to them uh, that are selling them. And he says, get these out of here and, and do not make wow. my father's house a house of merchandise. There's compassion wow. there, right? Yeah. But he's saying, look, <laughs> it ain't about wow. this. You know, but they themselves who were selling the doves got caught up in that, right, uh, in this thing with the poor and, and commerce. But but see, his word to them is his word to us right now. Take these things hence, right? Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Brothers and sisters, do not go back to those places. Amen. You are you are literally, and, and I'll say this, you know, humbly so, really, uh, you are literally... Now, should you go back to what you knew, you are literally going back to what is now morphing into a rebellious system flat out. And and you will be partakers of those sins and receive of those plagues. Trust me. One right. of, and, I never, and I never finished the thought, but one of the most egregious things that has happened was that the church became organized, right? It became a structure. It became a, a corporate model. But what that did was do great disservice to the humble little rabbis, little pastors, right, in in our different communities. You know, community of fellowship is what the Lord was all about. There was no big giant thing. The big giant thing, he went and judged it. He tore it all down. It It was always meant to be mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. It was always meant to be community driven. And, and 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 so that we will together as as a community. You go to these mega churches, thousand, two thousand people. You know, multiple services. You don't even know who you're sitting next to. You know, you show up, and after a while, you indoctrinate people in the ease of it, so that you can just drop on in, grab your coffee on the way into the sanctuary, and your and your donut, and and sit there and be entertained for what thirty minutes. God forbid that we go more than thirty minutes. My goodness, you know. And you've created an entire class of people that has no idea what the gospel is really about. And nobody's accountable to anybody else. Neither is anybody able to bear burdens of each other because you don't even know each other. That's not God. 
And so what the Lord was commanding here in many ways is saying, don't return to this. Don't make my house, my father's house, this kind of a place. And so as we go forward, we need to bear that in mind. We need to develop solid family fellowship within our own house to begin with. And then those that God leads us to, we become a community. It is the return to that. Since when was, when were stock options and, and you know, uh, <laughs> pension funds and all that stuff, man? Well, what does that got to do with God? He's able, right, to take care of us, but, but here we are. And so much of what we've been discussing today, let's go back to Lamentations chapter 2 and close with this. We're going forward in this conversation we're having because it, I think it's a cleansing thing. I really do. I think if we hear these kinds of things, that it cleanses our soul, and and it and and, and it takes away from us the burden of of the false, whether we even realize we were part of the false or not. It has influenced every level of the church. Even the tiniest pastor didn't know how to act anymore by the end of 2019. You know, he's not hip. He's not, you know, cool. He can't fit into those skinny jeans, especially me. He just can't do it, you know. So, I mean, he's, he's irrelevant now. My God, he's he's over 40. He's ancient. I mean, that's what it looks like, right? I mean, all these people, they parade across the platforms now. I mean, I, I mean... No experience, no earthly experience, no spiritual experience. They ain't been through nothing. And that's who you want to listen to? Listen, when it all came down, when the gavel came down on Judah, that's why why, why uh, Brother Jeremiah said, what can I possibly take to witness for you? How can I go justify myself in my intercession between you and God? What am I going to tell him? I'm looking. I'm searching. Your whole system is corrupt. Listen to what he says here. What thing shall I liken to the O daughter of Jerusalem? In other words, what he's telling them there, and, and I was reading some commentaries this morning, what one of the rabbis said there, what he meant by that was that, look, I want to go intercede for you, but the, but the problem is, O daughter of Jerusalem, is that you have come from such a blessed state. You know, your existence was birthed out of the miraculous. You have seen the glory of God greater than any people before you. You have been blessed. You have the word. You've had the glory of God manifest in your temple. You've had the prophets. You were birthed by the great men of God leading you out under the anointing of, of God himself from Egypt. He established you as a nation, and he gave you a land flowing with milk and honey. And after all that, and, and, and sending his prophets to you early, warning you, trying to correct you because of the direction you were headed, it then filtered into the very prophets that you chose for yourself and has brought you to this conclusion that you find yourself in right now. How can I go argue on your behalf? I can't say you weren't blessed enough or you didn't know. You have more light than anybody on the planet. What he was saying to them. And that's what he's saying to the American church. It isn't 2022 or 2024. You need to be looking at, like Brother Jeremy said, this thing has come down. And the prophet's trying to tell them, I have no avenue. 
no access point to the Father to argue on your behalf. Not because he's not merciful and good, but because you've been so abundantly blessed that there's no excuse for you. In every level you've been blessed. And there's there's no, what do I take to witness for you? What shall I equal you to, he says. There's not, There's never been a nation like you. That's what he's saying. And that's what he's telling the American church. There's never been a nation like you, how blessed you were. And now you find yourself in this predicament, and there ain't no way you're going to get out of it. If I could intercede for you, I would. But, but when I review your history, how can I go before God and say, they didn't know? And that's why he goes on to say, your breach, in verse 13, Lamentations 2.13, your breach is like is great like the sea. Who can heal you? What he meant by that <clears throat> is just like the ocean, one of the rabbis said, and I like it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote what he said because it made me think of us. He said that the reason he referenced the great sea is, 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 is that like the sea, a wave will build and it'll crash on the shore. It'll be sucked back out. It'll build up again. And it'll crash on the shore. And 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 it and it made me think of our country because what the rabbi was saying, what Jeremiah was saying, is that you know God allowed waves of of tribulation and trouble to come to you, like a wave of the great sea, and it would crash on the shore throughout your history, in the hopes that you would turn to him. And just in our time, I can go back and, and liken it to 9-11, right? We get the two towers, the Pentagon, the whole world shifted, America got attacked. That was a massive wave that hit us. And as it withdrew, we became worse. And then, you know, I don't want to go down the list of all the ways that God has been trying, whether it was World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, the Iraq-Afghanistan War. I mean, go down the list, wave after wave after wave, coupled with the prophets that he sent throughout the 20th century to us, begging by the word of Almighty God and through the Spirit of God that rested upon them in their time that we would turn. And so Jeremiah says, your breach is so wide open, man. I can't go stand in the gap for you. And concerning your prophets, they've seen a vain and foolish thing for you. And what was it that they saw? Well, well, that's why he goes on to say, they have, uh, they've not discovered your iniquity. The vain and foolish thing that, that the scholars of, of, the, of the rabbinic nature commenting on these scriptures here that I'm talking to you about today, they said, the vain and foolish thing that they saw was that they preached to the people that they were such a privileged class of, of believer that the temple was there. They were the great Judah. They were the great Jerusalem, right? And their prophets were telling them, God would never allow judgment to come to you. You're the favored nation. And he said, they saw vain and foolish things for you. Because that's what they have been telling the people for decades now. God, you know, loves America so much. Are you kidding? You know, anybody who came up and who saw the evil coming, the watchmen on the wall who could see what was approaching over the horizon, they mocked them. They scorned them. They deplatformed them across the Christian media landscape. They, they called them doom and gloomers, right? And, and, and so <laughs> that's what he was saying about their prophets in their time and, and subsequently our time. 
is that is that they saw a foolish thing for you and and uh, and then they said they have not discovered thine iniquity to turn away your captivity that made me think of august 2020 was what we talked about yesterday he said their messages were incapable of bringing you to repentance which is what you really needed they could not teach you how to repent and and i thought about and i and i'm you know bring it up again today when when we had that thing in august at washington dc led by you know that was called the return right and everybody was supposed to go back there and we were going to in in 12 hours i think it started at nine and ended at nine they were going to tell god we got 12 hours to repent here god so we're going to come here and act like we're repenting you know we'll sit in our lawn chairs we'll wave our trump flags we'll have our little snack bar stands to the side here we'll listen to a bunch of christian music we'll we'll pray a few prayers and say oh we repent we repent and then we'll go home and, and we, you know, that alone is going to, you know, you know, win us the election. And we're going to have another four years of Trump and blah, blah, blah. He said, that's what your false prophets did to you. They couldn't teach you how to repent. Because they didn't know themselves. They did not discover your iniquity to turn away your captivity. See, Jeremiah is laying the case here. That this has been coming all along, and now that it's here, I'm going to tell you why it happened. He said, "This is why it happened." And and the false burdens to me, the false burden was this in 2020. The false burden, elect Trump. That was our burden. We were being told to carry right. Get out and vote. Are you against voting? No. But we hooked ourselves to a political movement in exchange for the kingdom of Almighty God. And we called that God. And we did how many times did you hear Jesus mentioned? Almost none. They gave us false burdens and he said, it has caused you to be banished. The causes of banishment. That's what he said. So church, <clears throat> you brothers and sisters out there, understand this. We find ourselves in a new paradigm. We are now in a new reality. These are the days that have triggered the rise of the global state. And there is one in the not too distant future that is going to make his appearance on the global stage. And he will become that prophesied wicked one that the Bible has said. The defining line is being laid. And what is imperative for us to understand not only why it happened, but how do we navigate ourselves now? We quoted to you Isaiah 26. Go back and look at it. Isaiah 26, 20, I believe it is, 20 and 21. He says to his people, he says, uh, come, my people, into your chambers and shut the doors about thee and hide thyself, as it were, for but a moment till the indignation be overpassed. See, what is coming will come quickly. But we, as the people of God, need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and we need to position ourselves with stealth and with an understanding of what's ahead so that we can protect our families. Well, what are you saying? Drop out of society? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. Don't get involved in their trip. Don't get involved in the false church. Don't get involved in all the things that they want you to be involved in. Lay low. I'm not saying you got to go dig a hole in Wyoming somewhere. But be wise. 
and conduct yourself as as stealthily as possible. Remember we talked to you about when they tried to, you know, kill Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke in Thessalonica. You can read that in, in Acts chapter 17, I believe it is. You read that in the book of Acts 17 or 16, somewhere in there, where it tells the story of how they got how they got their brothers out of town, right? This was a Christian community that was well organized and knew how to move at night. And yet they were part of the public square as, as much was necessary because we know about how Jason got dragged before the courts and all that kind of stuff. We don't get into all that. But they were able to move and navigate themselves. They became a tight-knit fellowship that was wise and, and, and was preserved by the Holy Spirit precisely because of it. So I'm not going to give you any list of things you need to do. you got to figure that out. I mean, some things are just obvious, but above all, we need to be praying. We need to be in the word. We need to be praying for each other. We need to be looking out for our neighbors and those that love Christ. We need to take care of our children. We need to solidify our marriages. We need to be honest and open with our, with, with our loved ones and say, look, this is where we are. Whether you can see it now in its fullness, this is what the scriptures are saying. And we need to be quiet. And not just spill the beans on everything that we know or everything that we got. Practical wisdom with practical prayer and uh, and studying the Word of God being led of the Spirit. And prepare for what's coming. It's here. It's going to increase. But we don't be we don't need to be afraid if we follow what the Word has said and how God always let his people through. He's coming. An exciting time. Yes, there's anxiety. Yes, there's fear. But like I was telling my nieces the other day, you know, I said, you know that old saying, you know, when when someone says, I got I got good news and I got bad news, right? And what do we always ask for? Well, give me the bad news first. Well, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're giving you the bad news first. <laughs> but, okay, what's the good news? Jesus Christ is coming for his church, bro. That, that's the good news, and, and we're about to see his his return. We are the most privileged generation that has ever lived since the early church, I believe, because we are going to see the return of the Lord. Even so, return quickly, Lord, is our prayer. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Brothers, would you close this out? Praise God. Yeah, you know, we need believers like the quality of Daniel. You know, uh, the Bible says that um, they could not find any occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. You know, uh, no fault in him because he was faithful. There was no error or fault found in him. Anything that they could do is <laughs> come against his God. You know, even when he prayed with his door, with his windows open, it's not that he, I don't think it was his custom to just do it that way. Oh, look, he's just, no, he, he would pray in the temple. But when the time came, you know, in other words, he knew how to lay low, but yet there was nothing that you could say about him, and right. only if he touched his God. So those are the type of quality of of of, of preach of of Christians that uh, they're coming for. You know, for the rest, these mega church uh, Christians, they already got them. But it's you. It's it's the quality that we live and what you're talking about. You know, laying low. It just simply means, you know, live your life, you know, before God in 
in a manner pleasing to God, you know, and, and, and don't get your, don't open your mouth when you shouldn't and open it when you should. <laughs> and, uh, but praise God, praise God. I we really enjoyed this, this discussion, this study uh, of the things that God has allowed us to see. And we pray that you join us tomorrow and uh, tomorrow's Friday, Lord willing, we plan to be back tomorrow and continue our study. Meanwhile, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep, no matter what, you keep looking up.